Romans 8.28. This could be the uh, one of the favorite verses of God's people, especially people that have lived a while in the faith. 8.28. What possibly could I say about 8.28 that has not already been said? What possibly could I do today that has not already been done? What possibly, what ground could I plow today that has not already been plowed many times? Well, hopefully it will bring up a thought that will help you some. The title of this is God Wants to Make Biscuits of Your Life. How many here like biscuits? Raise your hand. I can tell by looking. But anyway, uh, <laughs> you folks... You folks love the carbs, I can tell you that. This crowd loves the carbs. There used to be a diet called the Atkins diet, and it works. It works. One time to prove it works, I went on it. I weighed 175, 80 pounds, and I started eating nothing, no carbs. I cut all the carbs out of my life, which cuts all the joy out of your life also. I cut all the carbs out of my life, and I got down to 145. I had a normal scheduled appointment with my oncologist, and so I went in to see him, forgot about the diet, and forgot about the weight, so he hadn't seen me in a year, and when he saw me in the door, you know when a doctor's not happy, they see you in the door and they go, whoa, whoa, your normal weight's 175, and now you weigh 145, and how long, how'd that happen? He started, I'm going to schedule this scan, that scan, we're going to have this scan, we're going to do that. I said, stop. Doc, I, I'm on the Atkins diet. I did it on purpose. It works. You elude, buddy, you eat all the meat you want. You stack your plate with meat. You eat all the protein you want, and you will just, the pounds will peel off of you like you won't even believe it. It takes a little while for your body to get ready for it, but it'll, once that gets in that gear, of course, you're not happy. You're not happy because you don't have ice cream. You don't have sugar of any kind. No more sugar pop. And just cut out all bread, potatoes, no potatoes. But you do that, and you will lose weight like crazy. I'm not sure it's worth it, but nevertheless. <laughs> I want to say that I want to say this to you: You folks look good today. You folks look good today. I mean, you do. You just look good. Generally, generally speaking, you look good. You look like you don't have a problem in the world. But I know better. As a preacher here now for 44 years, coming up on 44 years in March, 43 years, I've seen some of you more than on the surface. I've counseled you. I've been on the phone with you. I've talked to you person to person. I've been by your hospital bed. When you had trouble, I've been by the casket of your loved ones. I've been at some of you, I've been at the birth of your children. I've gotten to know you. I've gotten to know some of your pain, some of your personal sufferings, some of your weaknesses, some of your disappointments. I've seen some of the temptations you've gone under, I've heard your fears. I've seen your anger. I've experienced some of your frustrations of life, 
disappointments of life. I've wept with you. I've laughed with you. I've mourned with you. I've mourned for you. I've prayed and supplicated for you. I've agonized in my spirit for you. I rejoiced with you. I stayed up at night once in a while. I've stayed up at night waiting for your baby to be born. You know, they say a watched pot never boils. And when they call you and at about one in the morning and say, come to the hospital preacher, the baby's going to be born, don't you believe it? <laughs> and I've gone, you know, gotten dressed, gotten drove, driven all the way to NCH one time. And from my house, that's about 50 miles. Went down to NCH and went in there. We got there about 2 at 2 a.m. And I said, okay, baby's going to be born. No. The only good thing is she made a bunch of cookies. And we sat there with the nurses and ate all this plate, a whole plate of cookies while we were waiting for this baby to come. I'm like, Let's, we started a little chants and rah, 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 shish, goomba. And the baby came. One distraught mother, something really bad had happened in their lives, some failure in their, in their family. Um, and she came to me and explained we went over this trouble she was having with the family and some, some of the failures they were having. She says, Preacher, I don't think I can ever go back to Gospel Baptist Church because the people there are so perfect. She said that. That's, that's a quote. The people at Gospel are so perfect. I said, say what? Say, who are you talking about? You talk about the people at Gospel Baptist. Oh, they come in on Sunday morning, they look so good. They got smiles on their faces, and they don't look like they got a problem in the world. I said, they're great fakers. I said, really, they're trusting, they're trusting God. And you can be sad with your problems, or you can just trust God with your problems. I said that many of these people just trust in God, but you wouldn't believe the troubles they have. You wouldn't be amazed the troubles they have. If you only knew, I said, you you come back to gospel, you're going to fit right in. You'll fit right in. Romans chapter 8, verse 28. Let's read it. And we know. Who knows? We know. Who wrote it? The Holy Spirit through Paul the Apostle. And that's very important to know who wrote this verse and how the Holy Spirit led the person to write it. It was Paul the Apostle that wrote the book of Romans. We know that. And he says, he includes himself, we know that all things work together for good. Put a line right there. After good, put a line, stop. That's, that's a sentence. That's a thought. All things, We know that all things work together for good. Then it tells you, to, it qualifies it. It qualifies. That statement is for these, this group of people. To them, the Love God 
and are the called according to his purpose. Now, the question I want you to ask yourself this morning, do you love God? Now, don't be a hypocrite to yourself. Don't lie to yourself. Man, if you're going to lie to somebody, don't lie to yourself. That's what the Bible means when it says, be not deceived. Don't, if you're going to get deceived, don't deceive yourself. That's crazy. Be honest with yourself. Do you love God? Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. Jesus said, if you're my friend, you'll do whatsoever I command you. People say, I'm a friend of Jesus, then live like the devil. They're not a friend of Jesus. They're not being honest with themselves. People say, I love God, and then don't obey him. They don't love him. They're not being honest with themselves. You can make whatever definition you want, but I'm going Bible definition here. If you love God, you're going to keep his commandments. You're going to care about what he says. You're going, to, you're going to be seeking to fulfill his will in your life. He that doeth the will of God abideth forever, 1 John 2, 17, I think it is. Uh, you're going to care about the will of God in your life. I get tired of the verbal, the verbal uh Love that is out there, and, and it says it in Isaiah, with their mouth they, they love, they show much love, but with their hearts far from me. I mean, the Bible talks, this is not new. We as human beings are really, really sometimes hypocritical. We'll say we love something, but really our heart's not in it. We're just verbalizing. And it's not talking about people who verbalize they love God. He's talking about people who love God by their actions where the rubber meets the road. That's the people he's talking about. To them that love God and are called according to his purpose. Of course, those that are called according to his purpose, them that love God are called according to his purpose. God wants you to be saved and do his will. wants you to go in the gospel. wants you to go in the world and preach the gospel to every creature and so many other things he's asked us to do. And uh, that's a purpose. we got purpose. God gives us purpose. Glory to God, we got purpose. I hate to see people without purpose. Sometimes when people retire, it's a horrible time for them because they've, been, they've had purpose. They get up in the morning with purpose. They get dressed with purpose. They got to work with purpose. They're needed. People asking them questions. They feel great about it. They're, and then all of a sudden they say, well, it's time to quit, and, and maybe it is. And they, they step down, and then nobody asks them any questions anymore. Nobody cares whether they live or die. Nobody cares whether they get up or get dressed. Nobody cares. Doc, remember that, what I'm saying here. Doc and I got a pack. If I retire, he retires. He retires, I retire. Is that the way that is? We got a pack. Let's go up here and shake hands. I believe as long as you have purpose, it helps you to live. It helps you to have reason to get up. You say, well, I'd just like a little break. Well, maybe you need a little break. That's what vacation's about. Take a break long enough to where you want to come back. I've been off on vacation so long I wanted to quit vacation to come back to work. Now, that's a, that's a, when you've reached that, you realize vacation is not a goal in itself. Vacation is to help you want to work more. Vacation, you wouldn't want a lobster all the time. You'd hate that. You wouldn't want to fish all the time. You'd hate that. You wouldn't want to golf all the time. You'd hate that. You wouldn't want to play all the time. You'd hate that. You'd do that so that you can relax a little bit and be better at the work you do. That was worth coming. 
Well, you guys are quiet. Somehow I, believe, I just think you don't believe a word I just said. I'm going to say it anyway. I'm going to tell you what Romans 8.28 does not say this morning. All things do not work together for fun. All things do not work together for pleasure. All things do not work together for prosperity. All things do not work together for health. All things do not work together for gain. All things do not work together for popularity. All things do not work together of my idea what good is. All things do not work together for what we call success. All things do not work together for enjoyment. All things do not work together that in my lifetime I'm going to see the end purpose of God. I'm not, he doesn't guarantee me that I'm going to see the end purpose of God. All things do not work together that necessarily that I'm going to understand the whole picture or put every piece together in my life of the puzzle. This thing, this life is a puzzle in many ways. And I'm not going to be able to put all the pieces together and, and maybe stand back and see the ultimate picture this side of heaven. On the other side, I believe I will understand much more than I do now. What I'm saying is God wants to make biscuits of your life. What does that mean? Well, you women will understand this. I looked up the recipe for biscuits. Biscuits are made of buttermilk. Ugh. How many here like buttermilk? Get out of here. <laughs> buttermilk, spoiled milk. Spoiled milk. My dog, our dog wouldn't even drink it. <laughs> people love buttermilk. I've known people literally just go, 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 buttermilk. I just said, must have had, must be an acquired taste like Bud Light. <laughs> buttermilk by itself. Typically, people absolutely will not drink it. It's bad. Now, you people love it. God bless you. Uh, it's, uh, biscuits are one quarter teaspoon of salt. Of course, that's depending on how much you're making, but we're in this particular recipe, that's what it said, and I'm sticking with it. A quarter teaspoon of salt. Now, I don't normally just eat salt by itself. Just, you know, let's have a big spoon. Let's have a whole, let's have a quarter teaspoon of salt. No. A Crisco shortening. Crisco shortening. Now, I don't know anybody that takes a spoon at Crisco shortening. We used to use hog lard. And just put a big old spoon of that old shortening in there and stick it in your mouth and eat it. Mmm. Mm-mm-mm-mm-mm. No. Baking soda. Now, once in a while, because of problems with people's mouths, they'll take a little baking soda, put it in some water, and swish it around in their mouth, but just pure baking soda in your mouth is repulsive. It's repulsive. Flour. Now, we use flour for a lot of stuff, but just pure flour by itself. And what I'm trying to say is 
Buttermilk by itself is not taste is distasteful. A quarter of salt is distasteful. Crisco shortening by itself is distasteful. Baking soda is distasteful, and flour is distasteful. Distasteful. But when you put them together in the right measure and and, and put them in the oven, ooh, they make some good biscuits. That's Romans eight twenty eight. That's Romans eight twenty eight. We can go home now. Now, what Romans 8.28 does not say is does not say that all things work together for good to those who are backslidden out of the will of God doing their own thing. It does not say all things work together for good to those who are lukewarm, half in, partially in. You know, one foot in the world, one foot in the things of God, they're trying to get both. That's not going to work. It does not say all things work together for good to the half-hearted. It does not say all things work together for good to them. They're going to the honky-tonks and rock and roll and, and getting their entertainment from the world. It does not say that things work together for good uh, if you're watching a bunch of garbage on uh, YouTube or, or Twitter or maybe you don't watch stuff on Twitter. That's how little I know. Instagram or any of that stuff. You're watching stuff you shouldn't watch. It doesn't say things are going to work. Those things are not going to work for good for you. For the backslidden, the lukewarm, the half-hearted, the rock, the rock music crowd, the honky-tonk crowd, the, the watching the in, wicked things in their eyes crowd, things are not going to work. Those things are not going to help you and work out for good. They're going to pull away from you and damage you, those who don't love God. Romans 8.28 does not say that if I love God and am in His will, that He will change anything for me. This is an important point. It does not say that he will change pain into pleasure. God won't necessarily change pain into pleasure. I've begged him many times to change pain. I had gout 25 years. Migraines, 25 years. Been married 52 years. Now those things have nothing to do with each other. I'm trying to get you guys, keep you, never mind. It does not say that he's going to change tears for laughter. It does not say that he'll change your sorrow to joy, this side of heaven. It does not say that he'll change loneliness to companionship, this side of heaven. It does not say that he'll change inability for ability. It does not say he'll change unpopularity for popularity. If you you get saved and love God and are called according to his purpose, it doesn't mean you're going to be popular. Oh, my, my. He does not say he'll change ugly for beauty. It does not say, say that he'll change poverty for riches. The health and wealth people are absolutely wrong. That's not a Bible teaching. God does not promise... Romans 8.28 will change anything. But what it does say, by loving him and doing his purpose, will change the way things affect me. That's it right there. 
God is still going to let me go through hard times. He's still going to let me uh, get the shingles. He's still going to let me get cancer. He's still going to let me have headaches. He's still going to let me have the gout. He's still going to let me have, have financial reversals. When Black Tuesday comes, it comes to Christians and non-Christians. When things go bad, it comes, when recession comes, it comes to Christians and non-Christians. But what he says, it changes the way they affect me. All things work together for good to them that love God and are the called according to his purpose is for a born again believer. It is not for the world. It is for you folks who know Christ and are loving him and, and wanting to do his will and trying to seek his purpose in your life. He says, when tragedy comes to you, it will not decimate you. It will not, it will not overcome you. In fact, he says to him, that overcometh. I've been talking about that to him this week about Revelation. He says seven times to him that overcometh. I've been saying, oh God, help me to be an overcomer. Help me to overcome trouble. Help me to overcome pain. Help me to overcome distress. Help me to overcome getting old. Getting old, man. Getting old is not for sisters. I can tell all of you that. And all you old people said, amen. Man, getting old, no. Listen, I watched people get old for 35, 40 years. Now I is one. I can tell you it's not fun. But with Jesus... It's okay. It's okay. The born again believer that's been through all kinds of trouble that sits back and says, Yeah, all things work together. We know all things work together for good to them that love God and are called according to his purpose. We know that God's making biscuits out of my life. Now, he doesn't show me sometimes putting all that stuff together, but he's taking every one of these things happening in my life as I trust him, and he's making something of value eternally. I want you to remember the thief on the cross after he got saved had his legs broken. He said, today thou shalt be with me in paradise. But his legs still were broken. Now, personally, I think that was merciful because it shortened his time on the cross and hurried his time to go to paradise. So you've got to remember something. When you're in trouble in this life, it, seems, it wants to consume you. It wants to envelop you. It wants to be everything there is, but there's more than this life. And when this little thing called a vapor is over and, and we pass on the other side, the Bible seems to indicate very clearly that the former things should not be remembered or come into mind. It's going to say, gee, Paul said, he said that the suffering of this present time is not even worthy to be set side by side with the glory that shall be and compare them together. I think when we go to heaven, the glory that's going to be there and losing our old body and getting a new body like unto his glorious body is going to be so overwhelming, so outstanding, so phenomenal, so, so supercalifragilisticexpialidocious that you're going to not even care about the trouble you had here, the suffering you had here, the people who died. You'll care about the people, but the fact that they died or the trouble that you may have, you're going to say, glory to God, hallelujah, he made some biscuits. 
Just remember, Joseph was sold into slavery after he already got the dreams. And God said, you're going to be, you're going to be the ruler and all your family is going to come down and, and submit themselves to you as, as, as their ruler. I mean, he was a young, remember, he was next to the youngest. That is unheard of. The tr- trouble with Joseph is he talked about it. I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm the baby of three. We had three, three boys in our family. I'm the baby of two. I had two brothers above me, one 10 years older than me, one five years older than me. I'm smart enough to know not to tell them. If I have a dream, hey, someday I'm going to be ruler over you. I am smart enough not to go to them and tell them that. I knew they were going to beat me up when mom wasn't around, mom and dad weren't around. That's what Joseph had. They just did what they normally do. They did what your brothers would do if you told them that. Oh, yeah, you think you're going to be ruler over us? Well, let's show you how that's going to work out. Let me give you an example. Two Christians have similar tragedy that strikes her life. Two ladies, similar tragedy, their husbands die. By the way, they were in love with their husbands. They liked their husbands. Their husbands were good guys. Their husbands die. Similar tragedy. One of the women mourns and pines away for months and years in sorrow and grief, loses her direction, drops out of serving the Lord, grows somber and bitter that somehow God has dealt her a bad hand. The other woman, she mourns and weeps, which is normal when you lose a mate, some, somebody that you like. But lifts up her chin and looks into heaven and says in her heart, I love you, Jesus, and I want my final days here to be the best and most productive days possible. Lord, help me in the years I got left to make something of them for you. You see the difference between those two? One of them understands all things work together for good. We know that all things work together for the good to them that love God and are called according to his purpose. The other does not. Which one are you going to be? Because I know trouble's coming into your life. I don't know what the trouble's going to be. But I know the trouble's going to come into your life. Now, it'll be relatively space. The way life seems to work is you have trouble, you get a little rest period. You have trouble, you get a little rest period. You have trouble, you get a little rest period. God doesn't often bring trouble, 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 trouble. In Maui, Lahaina, they've been totally wiped out. I mean, I was there. I've been there. I've been to, that's a historical district. Of that. Their museums are there. The first church that ever was on the island is there. That's gone. All that stuff's gone. It's gone. Now God will give them a time of rebuilding. Our beaches were devastated. I went out there the other day again. It's unbelievable. I haven't seen that much vacant land since 1971. There are just vacant pieces of land on the beach. Just big old sections of beach now are vacant. Unbelievable. Things haven't even been, I mean, they're really not all cleaned up yet. Not all tore down, cleaned up. Devastated. But that was 62 years apart from 
when it happened the last time under Donna in 1960. God gave us a little respite, gave us 62-year respite before he did it again. Now, I can guarantee you as time goes on, that ha- is going to happen again to Fort Myers Beach, Sanibel, Captiva, and all the islands. The kind of storm that we had is coming back. Another one of them's coming. Probably not in our lifetime. God gives a little space of, to repair and gives a little space to recover, and he does that in our personal lives often. One of these women had a smile and a spring in her step while the other slumps along through life with a somber, downcast look. The Apostle Paul who wrote this, most of you know that he was beaten five times, 39 stripes. I can't even put that in my head. Three times he was beaten with rods. I cannot put that in my head. He was shipwrecked. He was hated. He was spit on. He was beaten with fists. He was thrown out of almost every town in Greece and Turkey. All after Jesus had appeared to him and told him he was a chosen vessel. Now, wouldn't it be something big for you if Jesus appeared to you and said, You are my chosen vessel? I don't know about you, but that's a big honor. When Jesus appears, it doesn't happen much. He appeared to Paul, wrote him out, and he said, You're my chosen vessel? But here's what a lot of people don't read. I'm going to show you what great things you're going to suffer for my name. That's what he told him. I'm going to show you what great things you're going to suffer for my name. But it was still a great honor because Paul's been long time in heaven, long time reaping the benefits of being faithful to God. And that suffering isn't even coming into his mind. Because he trusted God. Now, did the beatings seem good? No, no, absolutely not. During the moment of the beatings, they were horrible. During the sores and festering after the beatings, they did not seem good. The bruises and the aches for weeks afterwards were horrible. The chapped skin, sunburned skin from being out in the sun was horrible. The bloody, beaten face that he had was horrible. His Daily thorn in the flesh, whatever that was, uh, we know from the Bible, harassed him on a daily basis. Seemed, was that good? Did that seem good to all things? Remember, he wrote, and we know that all things work together for good to them that love God and are called, called, called according to his purpose. He wrote that. Did, it, did all that seem good while it was happening? No. But he knew God. And he knew well enough to know that the sufferings of the present time are someday going to be gone, and all that's left is going to be the glory that shall be. It's going to be great. He believed God, and it was counted to him for righteousness. He trusted God. He laid his faith on God. He said, God's good all the time. God rewarded him. God does not owe us an explanation in this life why he does what he does. But God has made us a promise. Today, grab a hold of this promise. I can't, I can't explain God to you. I could never explain why God does this to you or that to you or why this happens to you. Why I just cannot. I can't even come close. Don't ever come to me and say, Preacher, why did I, I be, my answer is going to be to you? I have no idea. He's not let me in on it. 
but he has given us a promise. We know that all things work together for good to them that love God and are the call the corner to his purpose. We know. It'll be worth it all when we see Jesus. And when we get that first bite of that biscuit, that hot biscuit out of the oven, you smell it cooked, and you get to have that first bite, and you say, this is a reward? Yes, he said, this is your reward. And you say, wow. I sure do love biscuits. Father, help us this morning to get this truth. Easy to preach, hard to live. Got to trust. Father, help us to trust you one day at a time, one day at a time. Thank you for the pain if that's what it takes to be a good Christian. Thank you for the troubles, if that's what it takes to be a good Christian. Thank you for the difficulties, the losses, the loneliness, if that's what it takes to be a good Christian. Because being a Christian in heaven is going to last a whole lot longer than being a Christian here on earth. Now you're here without Christ, you haven't even begun. You've still got to answer for your sin. My, oh my, that's a horrible thing to think about. But Christ came and died on the old rugged cross for your sins and my sin. If you believe that you've sinned against God, and you have, the Bible declares it. The Bible says you can't be saved by any amount of good works. Can't be saved by going to church. Can't be saved by memorizing Scripture. Can't be saved by reading the Bible. Can't be saved by doing anything you can come up with to try to please God. There's only one way to please God is that repent of your sin and trust the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior. That's it. God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Trust Christ. He'll birth you into his family and help you in the growth process as we're talking about this morning. Please don't leave without Christ. If you've never been baptized, you saw baptism this morning. You've been saved, not baptized. Boy, Jesus was baptized. All the apostles were baptized. All the people got saved in the book of Acts got baptized. I believe you ought to get baptized. As a testimony of the salvation that's already happened by faith. Help us, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. If you would like to know more about the Lord Jesus Christ, you may contact us at the church website, gospelbaptistchurch.com, or you can go to Facebook and type in Gospel Baptist Church Bonita Springs, Florida. Also, you could call the church office at 239-947-1285. Thank you, and God bless.